What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie... Let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. It's Weird Al's Guide to the Grammys, starring Weird Al Yankovic, featuring special in-depth, penetrating interviews with Bruce Springsteen, Prince and America's Polka King, Frankie Yankovic, plus a stirring retrospective of the Grammys and the most exciting moment in Grammy history. And now, Weird Al Yankovic. Matt, I gotta tell you, we are about to discuss what I think is the strangest artifact we've covered so far on this show and the deepest cut. This was aired once <laughs> I was say I did I did not know that this existed before um before we started before you told me we were gonna do this yeah this aired one time on CBS as the lead-in to the 28th Grammy annual Grammy Awards uh on February 1986 which I don't know about you in my brain hearing that February 1986 was only the 28th annual Grammys felt so trippy in my brain <laughs> Yes, I agree completely. I was born in February of 1986. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a that's a real strange thing to uh, have to confront here. Yeah, your parents could have been watching this very special as giving as you were in the hospital. I su- I suppose they could have. Yeah, you have to ask them. Maybe that's how all of this happened. This was this we're was like to, yeah. div- divinity passed down upon you as you like <laughs> at one day old were laying in the hospital with your mom watching Weird Al's Guide to the Grammys. And I, it set I, you I, on I hope that my mom had better things to be doing, um, <laughs> like like taking care of me. I I don't know. She probably probably was asleep. Who knows what was going on back then? I'm sure she doesn't remember. No, but this special. Is it's so I'm trying to find the words to explain this thing. It is like elements of Al TV. It's elements of an actual accurate documentary of the Grammys. Well, also 
being so sarcastic and snide with the information <laughs> that yes. it's presenting. Oh my god! <laughs> like, well, I love, I love. Well, I mean, I guess I, we got to break it down. Just I feel like just going through this piece by piece. The I, I loved every time it just even cut to the still image when we post post this episode. I hope that the image we can share with people is just his face, like his over the top smiling <laughs> face with the Grammy in front of him. Because every time it cut to like we'll be right back, that picture <laughs> made me laugh. Like at least five times every single time it appeared, I was like, "This is great." The, it is insane that this was even like a. Like, I could find no information on this. I couldn't find out how this came to be. Like, who was the person that was like, "Hey, let's get John Roach, Jim Levy, and Weird Al to write a thirty-minute special about the Grammys?" Um, so it it's Al. It's so crazy. It's yeah. Al trying to prep you for the Grammys. Um, he's he's literally like taking the piss out of all of these first Grammy winners, just like shitting on like what were some of the categories. And, and at a certain point I stopped Googling because I kept being like, that can't possibly be real. And then I would Google it and be like, shit, that is who that is. What was like the first Grammy for, for record of the year. The first best record, Domenico Madunio. Madugno? I I don't know how to pronounce that last name. Honestly, I cannot believe that that is true. Yeah. (laughs) I was stunned. I was like, he's making a joke. He's got to be making a joke. And then, like, he'd bring up, like, the Grammy Award winning Chipmunk Sing the Beatles. And I'm like, that can't be real. And then I look and I'm like, sure enough, that one, like, (laughs) like, it was just, it was, it was like he, you know, it's a, it's a common joke in, like, film buff world right where like Mm. you have like an infamously bad movie but like maybe like the costume design is really good or like you know like the uh the makeup is really good so it wins the oscar for like best makeup and you're like oh the academy award winning the wolfman from 2010 (laughs) like like whatever like (laughs) yeah it feels like he combed through the grammy archives to find the most ridiculous things that have ever won a grammy and made sure to give them a shout out (laughs) <laughs> I, it, it was really, really good research. And again, honestly, like I, the, I just to make it totally clear that the joke he makes is like the very first ever thing to win best uh, to win record of the year at the Grammys is a song called Volare or Volar, V-O-L-A-R-E by Domenico Madugno. Yeah. And I know this song. I, I literally know once this. I, once I looked it up, I did recognize the melody of it for yeah. sure. But the it's joke in the thing. Movies. That's the, the all joke people in, remember it. <laughs> yeah. The joke in the, in, the, uh, in the thing Al does is like, and of course, we all, who could forget this song? And it's, <laughs> is, is that Dr. Demento in the shower? I think it is. I think that's a Dr. Demento I cameo. Thi- I think it's Dr. Demento in the shower singing this song. <laughs> And it's such a great bit. I mean, and then that continues like, you know, into making fun of uh, which people still do to this day. The Grammy Awards, like giving the like best new artists is like. And then in 1963, best new artist, of course, went to the Swingle Sisters. (laughs) (laughs) Who could forget like the, the number of deep pull references he had just kind of. Yeah, I mean. This is great. I mean, it's so fun because, again, like you said, it's him. Like, he does this thing. He's doing the job he was tasked to do, which is giving some Grammy history and getting people set up for it, while also completely ridiculing the whole thing. Yeah. Top to bottom, everything is just ridiculous, and he is mocking 
he's mocking the Grammys to their absolute core. To, and th- <laughs> to think that this was literally like if the Grammys were at eight o'clock, this played at seven thirty is so like just makes it all the funnier to me. <laughs> it is amazing because some of the jokes and some of the material here is as absurd and insane as some of the stuff we have seen on Al TV leading up to this point. And the fact that, again, this was primetime mega mega television <laughs> right bef- in the grammy lead up the number of people who must have been watching and been like what the hell is this and who gets, gave this guy this show yeah and the first like i would say the first like 10 minutes is tame to the for the most part it, it's fine it's goofy it's weird it's like the stuff that we've experienced with LTV. Yeah. like we'll dive into pretty early on they go into the bruce springsteen LTV interview yes. edit and it's got some great, like, it's got some really great moments. Yeah, he did a great, like, a, a, it's a re- relatively quick one compared to some of the other ones he did, but there's a few really great lines I really love uh, when Al points out. He's like, uh, it's like, you still owe me five bucks. He's like, when am I going to get that back? And Bruce is just like, I don't know yet. Yeah. I just don't know. <laughs> well, it's first, there's there's a clip that he uses in between those two. Where he goes, uh-huh. you still owe me five bucks, and it's just this footage of Bruce Springsteen looking down and going, "Oh," <laughs> and, then, like, and then yeah, yeah, he makes fun of Bruce Springsteen a little bit with, "Hey, can you say something incomprehensible?" <laughs> yeah, and then followed yeah. it up with, "Can you mumble something completely incoherent?" It's like that stuff. It's like this is funny. This is like what I've come to expect. What I yeah, w- totally. What I was not prepared for is we go to the first commercial break and then we come back and it's uh Al's teaching you how to make sure you're getting a good limo for the Grammys. Oh and god. The yes. amount of weird cameos that happen in this like 3 minute segment. So he's like driving in the limousine and he pulls over to pick up one of the members of Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he offers him a pickled wiener. He's like, oh, do you want to have a pickled wiener? And then they stop and he goes, oh, no, it's Quiet Riot. Hide the pickled wieners. And then is it's the entire band of Quiet Riot gets into the limo All and immediately. All Quiet Riot. <laughs> and and then, then the second they get in, they're like, do you smell pickled wieners? <laughs> I mean, it, like, it's just amazing. I, you know, we talked about in a previous Al TV how great it is in this moment now. Like, we're just at this point where Al is, I mean, he is famous enough and is beloved enough already in this community that the artists who are willing to play along with him and do this type of stuff is so wonderful to see. Like, I love this bit where he's pulling people from from all over because then after that, Steve Allen, with, Steve Allen <laughs> gets in the limo. And they're talking about how he won. Uh, <laughs> he's funny too. He does a really good job. Um, they reference. Is it? Does he say that his favorite song is his own? I think that's he says right there. Like it was like uh, you won a Grammy for uh, Gravy Waltz yeah. in 1964. He's like, yeah, I sure did. It's my favorite song. Well, I think cor- that's what he says. He corrects them first. He goes, actually, it was 63. But anyway, oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's my favorite song. It's my and, favorite song. And then he's yeah. like, oh, you guys do that bang your head song. That's my second favorite song. Oh no no no! Now I'm remembering it right. He bang your head. Steve Allen goes, bang your head. That's my favorite song and then al goes do you know 99 bottles of beer on the wall oh, he and he's like that's, that's my, my second, second favorite song <laughs> <laughs> oh man i i just love like it's so great that these people are just like so down to 
to clown with Al like this. It's it's wonderful. It's all great, but then the like the part that is both the sweetest but also the part that got the loudest laugh out of me is then we do this segment with Frankie Yankovic and it starts with the song Relax playing and Frankie Yankovic on the Hall of Fame and it just says Frankie goes to Hollywood across the screen (laughs) and I literally screamed. Like I laughed so hard at that joke. But it is this like, it's kind of this sweet moment where you're like, you know what? Like as goofy and weird as this is, this also feels like Al being like, hey, this guy's very important to me, and I know that he does not get enough attention, and if I'm going to be on, like, primetime TV before the Grammys, I want to make damn sure that, like, I find yeah. a way to put Frankie Yankovic in there. And totally. I think this is the only time that we ever really see those two paths cross each other. I think that's true. Yeah, I don't think that they ever did anything else again. And it's funny, because, again, in this... Frankie Yankovic is a great sport and he's playing along with the bit. And I like, and Al is like, it's like, we're both, uh, you know, we're both accordion players. We both have the last name Yankovic. We're both, uh, I think he says, we both, we kind of look alike. He's like, do you think we're related? And Frankie's just like, I don't think so, Al. (laughs) (laughs) And in a clear way of just like, I'd rather not be that associated with you. I don't know. It was was a good, like just, just the right amount of disgust in that response to make it work. And then we get them doing this like polka medley together, which was uh, like the highlight of the special to me. Like this, like without a doubt, the highlight. That was the only thing that I knew of from this before we watched the whole thing. Yeah, is that this this existed as like a little piece of music where the two of them collaborated and did a medley of the uh, the Grammy nominees. We wanted to get into the proper Grammy spirit, so we decided to polka down with our bad selves and do a medley of all the tunes nominated for Record of the Year. Born in the USA, Bruce Springsteen. Money for nothing, dire straits. Boys of Summer, Don Henley. The Power of Love, Huey Lewis and the News. We are the world, USA for Africa. Up next, Weird Al's exclusive interview with Prince and the most exciting moment in Grammy history as Weird Al's Guide to the Grammys continues. And it's, I'm trying to think, so it was uh, it was the nominees for Song of the Year. So it was Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA, mm-hmm. and then it goes into Dire Straits' Money for Nothing, which will come up again very soon, uh, in a couple weeks. That's right. Then it goes into uh, Power of Love by Huey Lewis in the News, I'm blanking yep. on. There's a fourth one in there. We are the world. I was gonna say, and we are the world is the fifth. Oh, one. and the boys of summer. The boys of summer. But Don yeah. Henley, and it's cool because there's no singing. It's all instrumental on the accordion, but it yes. rips, dude. It's great. Oh, it's great. There's a, a little thing. I don't know if you noticed this. I thought it was funny. So it's the two of them on accordion, and then it's. I'm pretty sure it's Bermuda Schwartz at the back playing drums. Okay. 
and then they have a I'm, I couldn't tell because he's way in the back, but it looked to me like it was him. Um, but uh, then they have a tuba player who is playing along with them. And this dude is playing the tuba with one hand and with his other hand is holding his sheet music. It's like they couldn't even get this guy a music stand. He is playing, <laughs> holding a piece of paper in front of him. I have never seen anything like it in my life. I was like, my God, this must have been like, like, oh, we forgot a music stand. We got to go right now. You got to yeah. figure this out. The budget for this was probably almost nothing. Like, I feel like this is like Al filming this shit backstage at some shows and like hitting up a few friends that would be down to like do the weird jokes with him. Yeah, I guess so. You know, it's funny because it's such a high profile thing. Like in my mind, it's like you'd think that he would have had all the budget in the world. But you know what? I also feel like with Al, like in this type of a context, even if he did have an unlimited budget, I think this is just his vibe. Yeah. I think he likes it to feel scrappy and just very thrown together. Like the whole part of the joke is that they've given this guy a show that he has no business <laughs> to run. <laughs> so it's like the fact that it's sort of like really rough around the edges and it's literally him in parking lots, kicking tires of limousines <laughs> to show how the quality they are. Like it, it, everything about it or at the beginning, like we didn't even talk about, he does like sh shows up at the Grammy place. He's like, let's take a look inside and the doors are locked and he can't get in the building. <laughs> like all these little things are like part of the, like him having a really slick show would not suit his his personality at all no not at all so we go to the yeah. the second to last commercial break and we come back with another al tv edit it together interview and man him prince. going at prince just like i'm starting to understand why prince kept saying no to this guy <laughs> you know yeah so far at least in what we have seen <laughs> He has attacked his mustache I, I any even, chance he can get. I would say I might even say at this point that he is meaner to Prince than he was to Billy Joel. Yeah. And it's still Billy Joel to me because we were saying how in that moment, you know, we talked about a while back with that song, how like maybe Al was just like, oh, I don't really feel comfortable with this artist hearing me uh, slam them so aggressively. But Prince, man, I, he is. Yeah, he makes fun of like the way he looks, the music. He again this came up in an LTV. He holds up a copy of Purple Rain and, and it's just kind of like, it's like, ah, I mean, is this really better than my record that I put out? <laughs> yeah. And it cuts to Prince, a snippet of Prince going like, it's not greater or better. It's just something else. Yeah. <laughs> I, which uh, we've, we said this before, I think on the Madonna LTV, but I am like absolutely wondering I want to know so much more about the original interview that these Prince responses were pulled to because it looks in he's surrounded by like 50 people in an it's entourage. It's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> Prince is sitting in a room with all these people around him like they're on bleachers or something like that or on the set of a TV show. So, of course, Al, to match it, has his own side with people all around him as well. So it looks like they're in the same place. Um yeah, it's very, very strange. I mean, <laughs> oh, God. I, I, and I just I did note in the final credits for this, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but at the, during the closing credits of this piece, it does say special thanks to Prince. Oh, he's not the only one. There are other people who are thanked, but Prince is named in the thank yous, which to me implies that I, I don't you know, Al doesn't necessarily have to get permission to use this stuff. I think if like the TV network owns the footage, he can put it together. I don't know if he asked. We know it's well documented that Al asked Prince multiple times to do a parody and Prince always said no. Now, how involved Prince was in this sort of stuff, I have no idea. I, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if Al and Prince have ever had a conversation. <laughs> I, I'm From curious the stories, for sure. The stories that I've heard 
about Prince are always that he was like a jokester. Yeah. And he he was a goofy guy. He loved playing pranks on people. He he was funny and had a good sense of humor about himself. And it's weird to think that everything I've heard from Al does not <laughs> feel that way. Maybe he's the sort of jokester who's like loves to you know, mess around only on his own terms. Yeah. I was going to say it could be that or, or it could be that it's like the music I take very seriously, everything else in life. I don't. So like yeah. the idea of like re-editing an interview that doesn't directly have to do with taking a shot at his music that he's dedicated his life to. He's like way less precious about. Yeah. Than yeah, the totally. Song. I, he also, um, I'm sorry, there's a couple more Prince things because I loved it so much. First of all, I love the fact that Prince, uh, that Al is like, I feel weird calling you Prince. Can I just call you Bob? <laughs> and, and then he like, proceeds sure. to call him Bob the rest of the And he calls him interview. Bob for the rest of the show. My favorite, this is just so, de- like the way that Al puts things in, in it will never not tickle me the way he like <laughs> puts, poses these questions. But I loved, he asked Prince, he's like, I heard you got a new beach ball. <laughs> And Prince goes, and Prince goes so sincerely, he's like, it's multicolored and very fun. <laughs> and that made me laugh so hard. I, I loved it so much. But I was yeah, like, so, so happy we found, like when I, uh, when I found this on YouTube, I was like, oh man. And I did not watch it until last night. And I think I texted you and was just like, I'm uh, not saying anything else so until good. we hit record, uh, but yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah, glad exactly. that we had to save the conversation. Enjoying this. But then um, in the stuff that feels more pointed, will you ever be able to grow a real mustache? <laughs> and do you ever secretly wish you were me? <laughs> Which Prince, you know, is answers yes. He's like, yeah. And I just like, I don't know. Maybe I'm putting more into it than necessary just because we know of how Prince turned him down. I don't know. Like, it, but it just, it, it, I mean, you said it yourself. It feels very loaded with him. It feels and it really with feels him. like Al is like knows that he's not playing along and is really pushing him yeah to uh to to uh, do something to try to play along or to dare him almost to like really come back harder i don't i don't know it's it 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 feels way i mean he didn't say anything even remotely like that to bruce even <laughs> to springsteen like springsteen gets the whole like can you mumble incoherently for me sure but yeah. that's like it's not like like attacking his uh, pers- well, like I don't know it feels way more pointed I don't know when we'll ever get to bring this up again but because you brought up it's still Billy Joel to me I do want to call out the TikTok that I sent you probably about a month or two ago now that was David Wayne and Ken Marino having like yes they were having like this random they called it like middle-aged men band practice or whatever and they were just doing it was just a, it was clearly a group of friends getting drunk and playing cover songs but Al is there joining in in the performance and it cuts to it's just like a clip show of like them doing these songs but al is singing it's still rock and roll to me in the yeah. video so i'm yes, like is. i'm like that is that is interesting oh big time oh <laughs> like, big time like yeah. i think we both started just texting each other immediately after i sent i was like what do you think about him singing it's still rock and roll to me <laughs> i think that in 1980 yeah 1980 it was very easy to make fun of Billy Joel putting out oh, yeah. pretty much the Absolutely. entire Glass Houses album, but I feel like yeah. now all these years removed, he's like that's a great album. Like I, like I don't understand why it was so shit on at its time because it's very good. Yeah, and maybe it was. It's also just like you know someone like Prince. Oh, you know we've said before with the celebrity interviews, like he's mocking the nature of celebrity really yeah. when he does these things. It's like when he did the one with Madonna, which we've already talked about, and the Bruce, Bruce Springsteen one here. It's just sort of making fun of the whole interview format. And he's poking fun at the idea that the interviewer usually is like worshiping 
the person that they're interviewing. Yeah. It's all very fluffy. And Al is like recontextualizing the whole thing and making it, you know, a little bit more, a, a little bit more hostile. Yeah, for sure. And, and it does, it also makes you question, like I said, we said the story in the Madonna. I thought the story in the Prince, you do wonder what those original interviews that the clips are pulled from were yeah. like, because like with the Madonna one, she, I, she rolls her eyes so much that it's yeah, like, she seems annoyed. Yeah. Like, it's like, you're almost like, Ooh, I, I wonder how bad yeah. this original interview yeah. was. Which, of course, makes Al's part work great. Yeah. Like, he has uh, to find it, the yeah. worst interview that this... He has to be exactly. trying to find the worst interview that this particular person yeah. has had to do to then pull those clips and really yeah. make it exactly. work. Exactly. <laughs> like, but the larger the larger point is that it's like he's making fun of people. Like, Prince is so... At this time, like, Purple Rain has just come out. Prince is as big a star as anyone in the world could be. So the idea that he's, like, poking fun is like, I mean, what are you going to... Like, as big as Al is at this point, it's, it's never going to be even close to Prince's level of... Uh, no. Of fame and influence no so for sure it doesn't feel like it's an evenly matched battle or anything like that it's just someone poking fun at someone far far more successful so <laughs> we go to our last commercial break what's up everybody this is brian here to tell you about our podcast binge town tv our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie... Let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscovered Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! We come back and we're promised that we're going to see the greatest moment in Grammy's history, which at this point I'm like, we're going to see him winning <laughs> winning the oh, best yes. comedy record. Uh, and of course it is. And and I do love that they had to film him accepting the award because obviously the Grammys is not going to televise the best comedy award portion of no. the show. But first we get this bit where he is showing ways, losing. That, yeah, ways that you shouldn't react to losing. And they're all pretty funny, but it's that very, very first one 
where they announce it and he just goes, no, 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 no. (laughs) They announce that he's lost to Donny Osmond. And he, 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 yeah, he screams, no, he flips over the chairs in front of him and he he starts going on this like rant, this unhinged rant. He's like, it can't be, it must be a glitch, an error, a technical malfunction. (laughs) And then I think, Another one, he just stabs himself and, and commits yeah, suicide. Yeah, again, he's he's poking fun. He was like, he's like, and the winner is Menudo, and it cuts to Al just stabbing himself in the chest. <laughs> uh, and then the last one is just another no, no, no freak out where he kind of dead fishes in the aisle, and then well, he starts foaming at the mouth, <laughs> yeah. like like he he falls backwards in the aisle and is foaming at the mouth, and like medics are taking him away. And I think that one he lost to Paul Revere and the Raiders. He did. Yep, he did. Right. Uh, oh my God. Yes. Yes. I'm... But then finally, when it shows the one where he actually wins, it's as if like the entire place, like of course, cuts to footage from other like Grammy, like everyone is standing <laughs> ovation. There's confetti flying through the air he's at the podium getting putting a crown on his head and a cape again like, it's it's stuff like this that's like it's so close to what we eventually get in weird the al yankovic story like so 20 close. years later it's amazing so 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 close you know when i think about the benefits of doing a podcast like the one that we're doing <laughs> i would have never known about this i would have never watched this like like no. all things considered if not for the one human being who uploaded this to YouTube, this would be a completely lost, forgotten piece of media that happened for 30 minutes in the entire existence of television. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It really is. Like it's um yeah, it's wild that this has um survived in any been way. Saved at all, yeah. <laughs> the audio really needs some work. It's it's oh, very it much like static. trying to listen to it. It this was just on YouTube, right, Matt? I think yeah. that's where you the, Yeah, it was three yeah. pieces. So you guys on can watch this. It's it's yeah, it's in parts on YouTube. There's like a hiss, like an old school VHS hiss underneath the audio that is louder than most what Al is saying most yeah. of the time. <laughs> so you really have to crank it up and and suffer through some static. But um, it's really worth watching. Yeah, it's it's great. The the Prince and the uh, Springsteen interviews I had never seen before. Those are both like really really. I, I as someone who's a sucker for Al's like fake interviews that that cracked me up. Oh, and side note, I meant to mention this earlier. It was interesting to see like Al. It's much shorter, but Al interviews Frankie Yankovic for real. Yeah, it's the only time I've ever actually seen that. Like, it's the two of them sitting, and I thought it was funny. Like in the camera, like they actually show like they're talking to Al, and then Al asks Frankie a question, and the camera actually pans over to him, almost like I I thought to myself, I wonder if this was an intentional. Like, we want to make it very clear that this is not fake. Yeah, and this is an actual conversation between these two people because Al is so known for doing the opposite. It was like, no, 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 no. This is the two. These two people are in the same place, actually talking to each other. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think that that was the intention. And I want to, we don't do this often, but uh, I promised a listener that we would read an email the next time we record it. And um, we, I sent this email to you a while ago when we got it. This email just filled my heart with so much joy. Uh, I'm not going to say your full name, but it says, Hi there, my name is Lincoln, uh, and I love your podcast. I'm 12 years old, and I love Weird Al and most of the 60s, 70s, and 90s music. I don't like present music, which people think is weird, but hey, I listened to every episode of your podcast, and I really liked your episode on The Complete Owl, which I own. 
if you can somehow read this email on your podcast, it would be amazing. I'm going to send you a photo to show you that I am not just some weird adult <laughs> pretending to be 12 years old. Bye. I hope you respond. And sure enough, Lincoln did send us a photo of himself holding the DVD that he owns of The Complete Owl. I got this. I want to say it was like right between Christmas and New Year's or yeah, it was that a couple right, days yeah. before New Year's. The amount of joy that this email <laughs> filled my soul with. Uh, and it's I want great. everyone to know that I, I wanted to use this as a moment to say, hey, if you've got anything you want to tell us, weirdalgorithmpodcast at gmail.com is how you can get in touch with the two of us or hit us up on Instagram. Uh, we just launched a Facebook group for the podcast after multiple hey. people had messaged me asking for it. So it's never been easier to... Tell Matt and I how wrong we are about our opinions. On, yes, on definitely shame us for our, our poor takes <laughs> on, on these songs. And uh, another quick note for Lincoln. No pressure. Obviously, you do you. Whatever, whatever works for you is good. But I would just let you know there's a lot of great music that came from the 80s. Yeah. So don't write off the whole 80s decade. Well, he wrote off the 70s. You like the 60s, the 70s. He, he went 60s, 80s, 90s. Oh, I misunderstood. Okay, the yeah. 70s. A lot of great music from the 70s as well. And I mean, um, I know of yeah. a particular band that had a really big hit right in uh, 2000. So you might want to check out some of the 2000s. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's borderline. <laughs> it's borderline. You know, it's funny. Uh, uh, Weedus often gets called a 90s band because we do feel like it feels more 90s than 2000s, I guess. At least the more time that passes, it starts to feel that way. But yeah, no, it is. It's 2000s right on the cutoff. Technically, I guess some people consider the year 2000 to be the last year of the 90s, right? Is like the way that we consider decades. Well, so it's not just that. I, I just finished reading Chuck Klosterman's book, The 90s. And he, mm. in that book, he talks about how like it's stupid to just assume that like when the when the ball drops on 1989 and 1990, oh, January yeah. 1st starts, it's a whole new thing. Like, so his proposal in the book is that the actual dates of the 90s are from September 27th, 1991, which is when Low End Theory, Nevermind, and Blood Sugar Sex Magic all were released, mm, all yeah. the way until September 11th, 2021. He's like, that's... Or 2000, 2001, because that's yeah. where like you get this... It's almost a perfect 10-year space, but it's also like most of 90s culture kind of kicked off with those three albums and like there is a notable shift in yeah. everything after uh September 11th. So like That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And by that definition, Teenage Dirtbag by Weedus is part of the 90s according to Chuck Klosterman. So You know what? Uh, <laughs> Chuck Klosterman certainly knows better than me. So I will I'll, I will take that on. He knows. I don't know. All right. Well, <laughs> we got to witness to this week Al being kind of dumb uh, for our entertainment. <laughs> I don't know about you, but next week we're going to talk about two game show appearances that Al did in 97 or 87 and 88 that if you had forgotten that he was like a valedictorian in high school that graduated when he was 16 or 17, be prepared to be reminded <laughs> how smart this man actually is next week. He could be a professional game show guest. <laughs> He really could. He really oh could. Oh, my God. We'll get into it very soon. Yeah. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. 
Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 